You know, it's, uh, it's interesting hearing Lance share some of the things that he shared. When you're young or younger, or somewhere, friends kind of come and go. You know, you, uh, you kind of adjust with the flow. But like he said, you're really blessed if during that time you find someone that... Uh, you just really enjoy their company and being around. And uh, as you get a little older, you can kind of count those folks on maybe one hand or maybe less, you know, three, two, four. But if you have that kind of a friendship um, through the thick and the thin, you know, the ups and the downs, you're really a blessed individual to be able to have that. And uh, I think we appreciate it maybe a little bit more as we get older. In the church in Corinth, there there are problems, as we've been taking a look at. And um, Christianity is such an upside-down pyramid of leadership. Oh, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, the corporate structure is, you 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 start out down here and there's a million of you. (laughs) And uh, depending upon your education and how hard you work, you kind of start going up that ladder. And then maybe someday you become the CEO you know, of a company, or maybe you own your own company, or maybe you're at the top. Maybe you're the president of that company. Well, in Christianity, it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of the opposite pyramid. And uh, Jesus is always at the top. He's always the source from everything and for everything and uh, the sooner that we we get that the sooner that we learn that in life the easier life is there are so many things that can happen to us and will happen to us as we go through life some of those are amazing uh, mountaintop experiences and some of them maybe not so much There can be things that happen that we don't get, things that we don't understand, things that we might not even ever be able to really resolve. And they can either make us better or they can make us bitter. If we don't know Jesus, it often just makes us bitter. Why would... I mean, even those who don't believe in Jesus, the the question is always, why would God allow this? You know, why would God allow this in my life? You say that he's a good God. You say that he's a God of love. But look what has happened to me. Look what's happened in my life. Well, I want to let you know that you're not alone. That's, That's not a singular experience. That is an experience that happens to everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. And no matter how long you've been in the Lord, no matter how much you love the Lord, there will always be something that kind of comes in and knocks you off your feet. That's just life. Because you and I are not perfect. You and I are human beings. We make human choices we react in a very human way sometimes. And I think that's okay for a while. Well, what do I mean by that? I, I think that you've got to give people an opportunity to, to be real, to, to be honest. Sometimes things just hurt. And, and even the most dedicated Christian, it still hurts. And sometimes they, they kind of stumble a little bit. They try to get their, their footing. But those that walk with the Lord, those that have a close relationship with the Lord, during those, that time, God begins to work in their heart. They begin taking it to God and saying, God, help me with this. They begin to say, God, show me what the point is in this. Lord, help me not to get bitter. And God begins to work that out. To where eventually you can move on. Eventually you can forgive. 
And I can tell you right now, it does absolutely no good whatsoever to be mad at God. In fact, from a biblical standpoint, it's completely illogical. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And I know sometimes we think he has. But he doesn't. And the hardest thing we will ever face is having to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Especially when it's something we don't want. Or it's something that we want and God doesn't give that to us. It can be very, very hard. But here's the thing. It'll destroy your walk in the Lord if you hold on to it. It'll just be that root of bitterness that springs into this whatever it could be. It could be just more bitterness. It could be hatred. It could be, it could be almost anything. But we keep getting punished by it because of our heart. Because we can't let go. So instead of it being a one-time thing, or maybe even lasting a year, but we move on. But instead of it being something that's temporary, we hold it for, some people hold it all of their life. We have to believe that he's a good God, because the Bible tells us that he is. We have to believe that he means the best for us, because he does. We have to trust when we can't see two feet in front of us, when we don't know which way to turn. We have to trust in the Lord. And we have to forgive. We have to forgive. We must remember that people are just people. We're not called sheep in the Bible for no reason. Sheep will walk off a cliff while they're eating. If they see grass, they'll go right up to the cliff and they'll just eat until they go over to the side. God knows that we have our issues, our lack of faith sometimes. But that's why fellowship is so important. That's why being around other Christians is so important. And I'll tell you this, when you're in that kind of mood, you don't want to be around Christians. You often don't want to be around anybody, but you don't want to be around Christians because all they're going to say is, turn it over to God and you'll be fine. And you're going, I have 5,000 times. Well, make it 5,001. Because you don't fail until you quit praying. So, as we go in and we take a look at Corinthians there's, there's things going on in people's life. They're, they're normal people, but they're immature people. There are, they are new Christians, relatively so. They haven't had a lot of uh, discipleship. They haven't learned that there's a certain personality that we take on, and that personality is Jesus if we'll give them a chance. We will never be Jesus, but we begin to take on some of his characteristics when we give him, give him an opportunity to do that in our life. I don't know if you remember the first time you stopped cussing. <laughs> I worked construction so I could cuss with the best of them when I was in construction. But I remember one day Something came out of my mouth and I thought, that was really stupid. I have a better education than to use four-letter words. I know some that are five letters and six letters and maybe even seven. And all of a sudden it sounded different to me than it ever had sounded in my life. And God begins that work in us and we begin to change. So, my point is this. It's a journey. Especially for you younger folks that are here today. There are, you're going to hear everything. You're going to hear truth and you're going to hear lies. Hopefully you never hear an untruth from this pulpit and I pray that you never will. But you're going to hear a lot of different stories. 
And you've got to be able to roll with the punches. You've got to be able to sniff out what's false from what is true. And God gives us through the power, that through the power of his Holy Spirit. Now, as we go into chapter 2, I want to remind you that Paul has just been to Athens before he came to Corinth. Corinth. Before he came there. So when he was in in Athens, Acts chapter 17 tells us that Athens was rife with philosophy and folks who just like to hear themselves talk and they love to debate and argue points all the time. It was just fun for them to strain at a net. They love to get in this. You might know people like that. To where instead of just being them and you being you, you letting them be them and them letting you be you, they've got to to throw in how smart they are. But when it comes to the faith and it comes to Christianity, there's no room for that. Because the reality of it is all of us, if we're truly Christians, must depend upon Jesus for the strength. We must depend upon him for the wisdom. We must depend upon him for our very breath. So how can we take credit for any of that? If God delivers you from something, if God brings you to church, if God does something in your life and you become a different individual, you can't say I'm a self-made man. Not when you've given your life to Jesus Christ. You're a God-made man or woman. God's done that work. Many of you have heard me say before that when we do it our way, we usually always mess it up. When we kind of finally come to the place where we say, you know, God, I am what I am by the grace of God and because Jesus has given me life. Now, I know there may be some of you here this morning, I don't know if I buy any of this Jesus stuff. That's okay. I didn't either for a long, long time. Maybe probably everybody that's here would say, I didn't either for a long time. But I just beg you to listen to the, to the word of God, to what he has to say. Now, there were the so-called intellectuals, right, in Athens. So Paul felt like he, he kind of needed to be relevant. Now, please understand, being relevant is okay. Being relevant, relevant? That's a new word. You can use it if you want to. That's the, the relevant in the room, I guess. But here's the thing. In an effort to be relevant, don't sacrifice the truth. In an effort to try to fit in, don't give up who Jesus made you to be. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be afraid to be a Christian around your non-Christian friends because you know what? They really need to see the example of Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. Oh, you're going to get made fun of. You probably won't be in the cool group for a while. But who cares? It only matters to you at certain points and times in your life and then get a little older and you're like, they're not even around anymore. Those people I tried so hard to impress. Those people that I tried so hard to to be like. They're not even in my life now. And they could really care less about me. They don't call me up at night and say, Hey, how are you doing, man? Do you have a good day? Do you have a bad day? They're usually not in our life anymore. And it's kind of funny. The older you get, the less you care about that. I'm not saying that we don't, we don't take a certain pride in certain things. I'm not saying that. You just don't care so much about what people think anymore. And hopefully if you're building that root system into Jesus Christ, you care a whole lot about what he thinks. You, hold, you hang on to that. That's, that's, your, that's your thing. Well, here's Paul. He goes into Athens. He's trying to be uh, relevant. So he goes to the, uh, uh, one of their thousands of altars, right? And he picks the, the unknown God, right? They, they had all kinds of altars and statues around to this God, to that 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 God. You could take your choice in any God you wanted, but they had one that... They, it was their fail-safe. 
It was to the unknown God so that the, in just in case in all of those altars they missed one, then they make him happy by saying to the unknown God. So Paul's trying to deal with them. He quoted from their poets. He discussed their philosophy and he alluded to their culture. But in the process of his sermon, there was very, very little material about Jesus Christ. And as a result, most of the people who heard him, they just laughed at him. They just mocked him. Some of them said, well, why don't you come back later and we'll hear some more. But there were very, very few believers, only a handful of people who came to know Jesus Christ. He tried to be relevant, but you can't be relevant without mentioning Jesus. Mentioning Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Jesus is not popular. You're not going to be relevant in that sense. But relevant in a spiritual sense where you're giving somebody something to chew on. You're giving them bread. You're giving them water. You're giving them life. They may laugh of it laugh about it they may even think that you're crazy but that's not the problem that's not the issue the issue is for us making sure that we're giving people Jesus Christ he never mentioned Jesus Christ crucified although he alluded to the resurrection he never straightforwardly and with simplicity said that Jesus had died for their sins and had risen from the dead it's amazing because in our philosophy today, they think that we Christians are intellectually stupid. We're pretty much the scum of the earth. We can't think, we're uneducated, we're dumb, we believe in fairy tales. But they'll believe in anything except for being able to describe a woman. Nobody knows what a woman is anymore. I'm sorry, but isn't that a little... Didn't we all take a biology class? Don't we all go to the bathroom once in a while? There's a difference. And there, a woman is a woman, and a man is a man. So we won't believe in Jesus. We won't believe in Jesus, but we'll believe in the most absurd things in life. If we have somebody that will tell us what we're supposed to believe. Mr. Science, or whoever else the teacher is, if they tell us, then it's got to be true. Guys, if you believe that we have learned everything that science and the world has to teach us, you are dead wrong. There's still so much to learn. There are still so many things that we don't know, that the world doesn't know. Who is the source of intelligence? God. He's the one that gives us the ability. But like I said, with Paul trying to be so philosophical, trying to be so relatable, there was no church established in Athens. And he's not going to make that same mistake here in Corinth. Father, may you give us ears to hear and a heart that receives the things that you have for us. Help us to know and understand because I know that there's lots of folks this morning they probably have their mind on a hamburger or lunch or something else and I get that. But Lord, your word is truth. We have an opportunity to sit here this morning to study your word which is righteousness. It's right, it's good, it's wholesome, it's honorable. It gives us correction, it gives us truth what an incredible opportunity we have. So fill our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, look at verse... Well, let me give you this, first of all. I want you to just flip back to chapter 1, verse 26. Chapter 1, verse 26. He says, for you see your calling... Now, these guys are all puffed up, right? Because they're, they're philosophers. They're brilliant, they think. Whoops. 
they think that they're brilliant. They think that they're smarter than everybody else. And he says, for you see your calling, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 1.26, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Have you ever noticed that it seems to be that higher education begins to weed out Christians? Because you start having secular people who think they're smarter than everyone else trying to prove to you that God does not exist because they can't compete with God. They want to be your God for that hour that they have you. They want you to believe every single thing that they say. So they won't allow God into their life. And these days, you are extremely blessed if you can finish your four years with Jesus intact. Guys, know that. Know that going in. Fortify yourself. Surround yourself with people that love you, good, honest, godly, biblical people who can support you during that whole time. Because the enemy will try to rip that from you. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Now, so far, all of these, he's kind of talking about all of us, isn't he? Not many of us wise according to the flesh. In other words, the world doesn't look at us and go, oh, listen to what he's got to say. How many of you get that in a week? Hey, would you come speak here? Would you come speak here? We'll pay you money to come. Not many of us. We're not wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Mighty, a lot of times in the the biblical sense, meant meant a, a warrior type. A man of nobility. Somebody who had earned the right to be raised up, if you will. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. Well, here's the thing. John 3.16 tells us that God's called everybody, but not everybody will respond. It's beneath their intelligence, or so they believe. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Keep that in mind as we go through what we're going through right now as a nation. Just just keep that in mind. God's still on the throne. God's still all-powerful. God still knows everything. There's not anything that gets beyond him. He's got it all. Now, am I telling you we won't face hard times? No. It's kind of sad that Christians actually blossom during trials. (sighs) Because I guess we just don't know how to handle the mountaintops. Sometimes we just don't know how to handle all the blessings. So I'm not saying that we won't go through things, but it's important to remember that our God is still on the throne. You can still talk to him. You can still ask him. You can ask him what to do and when to do it and how to do it. He's still there. He's still listening. And he wants to hear from us. 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Faith. To bring to, excuse me, to bring to, uh, chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing those things that are. A lot of people would say faith is the not faith. What's that? You're just believing in some fairy tale. That fairy tale is either going to save your soul or not. Because it's not a fairy tale. And ultimately, Jesus wins. Christianity wins the war. Actually, it's already been won. Okay, 29. And here is the reason that no flesh should glory in his presence. <laughs> Boy, I, I, 
We've probably all done this, taken credit where we shouldn't have taken credit. When it all should have been redirected to the Lord. Now, please, please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that if somebody comes up and pays you a compliment, you go, to God the glory. I don't know about you guys, but that just feels phony to me when I hear that. I think it's okay to say thank you, but without God, none of this would be possible. You can still say thank you and be kind and direct that all back to the Lord. God doesn't want to compete with us. He, we can't compete with God. The world out there is trying to compete with God. They want to be their own little gods. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. They want to plot their own course. And guys, look, look at where we're headed by the best minds in the world. Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that either. But supposedly, right, don't you elect people who supposedly have the brightest minds and the leadership ability? What happened? What happened, guys? No, that's an honest question. What happened? What did we do? But of him who, excuse me, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Guys, please underline that. Who became wisdom from God. You want wisdom? There it is. We all want wisdom, don't we? Intellect is one thing. Wisdom is something else. You can get intellect by going to school. You can learn all about a subject. You can master in that. You can become a doctor in that. But you still don't know how to change a tire. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge of knowledge. Guess where that comes from? That comes from Jesus. The correct application of knowledge. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. These guys were running around with their philosophies, acting like they were something, bragging about themselves, causing division, putting each other down, going outside the boundaries of God's word, and they thought they were so smart, and yet they were being so foolish. And guys, I promise you that before you get out of junior high, you're going to struggle with this. You're going to struggle with the fact of believing that God's smarter than you are. That God's smarter than any professor you will ever sit under. And God knows things that are almost incomprehensible to us. And if you make that switch, if you flip that switch and say, well, I'm going to trust the academics. Oh boy, are you headed down a bad path? Oh, you may be successful in the world. You may get a great job. You may make lots of money. But part of you, you gave up. The best part of you, you gave up. Pride is in the church in Corinth. Pride causes a lot of turmoil and a lot of division. Why do we make those choices? It's pride. I'm smart. I'm, I know more than most people. So I'm going to make my own choice. I'm going to throw God away and I'm going to just take the other role. That's not smart. That's not smart. Okay. Let's go with verse, chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know what, guys? If you got that, you got the most important thing. He's saying, I didn't come to you bragging about anything. I came to you with Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I didn't have it all together. Sometimes I was scared. Sometimes I felt weak. 
And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Now, what does that mean? That means $5 words that I use to impress you that I know something you don't know. You ever have a professor like that? They love to do that, don't they? They love to school you with these big words. Test you on them to make sure that you know them when they're all done. But what good does it do if you're talking to someone who's going to hell because he doesn't know Jesus Christ and he's impressed with your language but you don't give him Jesus? What's that worth? He says, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Guys, please, 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 please underline verse 5 if you're going through a crisis right now of thinking that academia has all the answers. Please understand, I'm not saying don't get a good education. By all means, get a good education. But don't throw Jesus out in order to get it. Big mistake. Big mistake. So Paul is basically saying, you didn't get this example from me, this example of pride and arrogance. Because when I came to you, I didn't brag I didn't brag about my knowledge or my wisdom or my credentials. By the way, his credentials were pretty lengthy and pretty awesome. But he said, I came preaching to you the only thing that really matters. But you know, these days, Paul would be in rare company. Paul would be in rare company. There are too many churches that are caught up in the Athens approach. What do I mean by that? Let's put on a show. Let's have the best young worship group that we can have. I know one church won't let you be in the worship team if you're over 40. Serious. That's serious. So we ought to have we ought to have the young in here. We got to have the absolute best sound system in the world. We got to have the absolute best lights. We have to have the fog machines. We have to have everything. And then we got to bring in a rock star once in a while to preach from the podium so that we can bring people in. Paul didn't do any of that. We got to go back to Paul's approach. His idea here is also substantiated in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Many of you guys remember this verse in chapter 4, verse 6. And he said, so he answered to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Here it is. Not by, what? Come on, guys, say it loud. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the thing. You can either go through life shooting a pea shooter or a spitwad shooter, right? You guys done that, made them stick to the ceiling in, the, in, the, in your school or whatever, the person in front of you, their head, you know, you did that with a pea shooter. You can go through life with a pea shooter if you want. But if you throw away God, you're throwing the most powerful weapon against the enemy that you could ever have. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? It doesn't make any sense. It is by the power of God. So bottom line, it's not about us. I know that's hard for us to believe, but it's not about us. It's not about our ability, our speaking ability, our fame, our education. It's just about the Lord and His ability to transform us into something that's useful, something that's meaningful, someone that's meaningful. I think we're all aware of so-called church leaders that are full of pride because they have a radio show or they have a TV show or because they got lots of people going to the church. Every time I hear that, I think, 
on the day of Pentecost when they could have set Jesus free, the numbers wanted whom? A murderer, Barabbas. Numbers don't always mean anything. Numbers can give a false sense of, of, of pride that it's, that it's me and Jesus or Jesus and me. No, it's usually me and Jesus instead. This is just God doing an amazing thing. God's just doing something I don't understand. God's just, God's just blowing us all away. That's all. That's the way that it should be. You also, I'm sure, have heard of ministries crumbling to the ground because that foundation of Jesus was not there. And not from the pulpit, but in the individual lives of the people. Not just from the pulpit, but from all of us. Okay, look at verse six. He says, however... We speak wisdom amongst, amongst those who mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Guys, please, please, please understand that. The rulers of this age, the wisdom of this age is coming to nothing. Nothing. They're coming to nothing. So, is that who you're going to put your faith in? Have to give an account and you stand before Jesus. And he goes, let's just say, he says, why should I let you in? Well, do you know who I am? I was the pastor of 10,000 people. I was the worship leader of 10,000 people. I even worked in the nursery. You know, he doesn't, he, wouldn't, he doesn't care about any of that. I mean, what did you do with my son? I gave you the most precious gift that could ever be given. What did you do with him? What did you do with Jesus? And let me say this, you're never too young and you're never too old to serve Jesus. Either one. Older people have respect for the youth. Youth have respect for the elders. It's been said that every time an older person dies, you lose a library because of their life's experiences. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. In verse 8, he says, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let me ask the question, for where you're at right now, which crowd would you have been in? Would you have been in the crowd crying out, Barabbas, 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 free Barabbas. There should be no death penalty. Let's let them all out. Would you have been the one that was so woke that you were crying for Barabbas instead of Jesus? Or would you have been maybe the only one standing there going, Jesus, I vote Jesus. I vote Jesus. To be stared at, mocked, laughed, laughed at. But had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Guys, that's awesome. You know what that means? That means I can't even comprehend what God has in store for me. Many of you that have walked with the Lord for a while, you look at your life now and you will say, I could not have comprehended all that God would have done in my life. Remember back to being a freshman? Being a senior? Did you ever imagine in your lifetime that not only would you give your life to Jesus Christ, but that he would have blessed you so much? 
and done so much with you because you finally just surrendered and gave him your heart. So Paul's saying this is a wisdom that so few people in this world even understand. It's a wisdom that's eternal. He says there, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they wouldn't have done what they did. Romans 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Guys, you look around at the beauty that God's created for us. The things that he's given, the things that he's done. He's saying that even if somebody hadn't preached to you, you should be able to tell that there's a creator by everything that's been created. In fact, he even goes on to say, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. There won't be any excuses at the judgment seat. Well, 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 my wife never really gave her heart to the Lord, so I quit going to church. Or my husband, or, or, or my mom and dad, all they ever talked about was Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, that's a good thing. A whole lot wiser than you give them credit for. There won't be any excuses when we stand before him. Okay, and it says in verse 21, because they knew God, they did not glorify Excuse me, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but become futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's true in the Old Testament. Although they knew about God, they didn't know God. There's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Is he on the, it, does He have the steering wheel of your life? Is He your Lord, and is He your Savior, and do you love Him above all things? Or do you just know about Him? There's, there's, there's a, an eternity's worth of difference in the two of those. Verse 22. I always think of our friend Dominic. Professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. <laughs> I love that. Creeping things. Guys, he goes on to talk about men preferring men, women preferring women and he, he, he goes on to this whole thing and he says it's all because of not letting God rule our lives it's not wisdom it's sin the wisdom of this world is definitely not the wisdom of the Lord look at, at verse 10 but God has revealed them to us through the spirit God reveals these truths and these things to you if you have Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. What do you search with? Google? I mean, really, if you're on the internet and you need to search something, you have your own little browser, right? And you go in and you search through the browser and... Do you think that that's all the information in all the world? No, that's just a certain database or many, many databases, but it's just a limited amount of data. With God, there is no limit on the data. It's unlimited. It's the biggest cloud server you will ever know. So, would you rather search a limited database and come up with a conclusion or search one that's so vast that will not only give you the possibilities, it'll tell you which one is the right one. That's the difference in trying to do it on our own and letting God do the work for us. He says, but God has revealed those things through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything the deep things of God if you want to know what your next move is ask the Lord I know it's going to sound silly to you but it doesn't even hurt once in a while to say God do I turn right or do I turn left 
He may just say, turn right because there's an accident if you go the other way. I may not even tell you that, but you'll find out later that there was. Maybe you won't find out. You have to trust he had a reason for having you make that turn. He's not some kind of jokester that wants you to trust him and then goes, ha, 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 I got you to trust me. When you trust him, you can count on him. So you pray and you ask God and God impresses upon your heart and then you get up and you do what God has told you to do. That's the way we're meant to live our lives. You guys have heard me say before, the Christian walk, it's not like a, a solar panel. So many, so many Christians run their life like a solar panel. You know, you set it up, the sun's good, and you're charging that battery up. What happens when the clouds come? Much less. What happens if it gets unplugged? <laughs> Nothing. Christian walk is more like a thousand foot extension cord. You're always plugged into the source. If you've ever done any work, you've got a power saw going on or a drill, or you've got something else going on, and you go too far and you pull that plug out, what happens? It, you've got no power, it's gone. People are going to find out the hard way that the cord's going to be pulled out of the wall. They're not going to have any power to rely upon unless it's in Jesus Christ. You see, for us, a lot of times, you know, maybe Wednesday night will be our battery charge. Maybe Sunday will be our battery charge. And that's all fine. Topping it off is great. But if we're not walking in the Lord, we're going to run out of juice before Wednesday night. We're going to run out of juice before Sunday. There are too many things going on in this world, guys. You, you can just... Every morning, every evening, there's a whole new something. Oh, by the way, did you know that the pandemic's over? President Biden said so. So take that with a grain of salt. He might say it's back tomorrow. But he, he was recorded walking through a place talking to somebody and he, he publicly said it. this pandemic's over. What I'm trying to say is people are people and they do the best that they can. But Jesus doesn't make mistakes. It's a power source that you have all the time if you're plugged into that power source. Now guys, no, please understand what I'm saying. It's not a power source for us to get puffed up. It's a power source for us to give all the glory back to God. Okay, let me, let me move on. I'm going to run out of time here. All right. So, the secret ingredient, if you will, for the Christian is the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus said in John 3, 6, he said, For that which is born of the flesh is the flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is... Which one are you born of? We all are born of the flesh, right? First, what, our first birth? We're all born of the flesh. That's why it's called being born again. Being born of the flesh gets you nowhere except in a, <laughs> in a world with a lot of hurt, a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. Yes, some perks too. Some beauty too. But that second birth is when you finally give your heart to Jesus Christ, you lay down your pride and you say, God, I can't do this without you. I don't want to do this without you. Why would I pick a power source that's worth less than pick the one that's almighty? Okay. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Well, I want to read that again because it can be a little tricky. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? In other words, I can't tell... I can't tell what Ray's thinking right now. I can't, think, I can't tell what Alan's thinking. I can't tell what Ace is thinking, but I do see a burger, a hamburger or something. I, I don't, all right, maybe not. But I can't tell. You can't tell what a man is thinking unless he opens his mouth and tells you, right? 
unless they open their mouth and tell them. So what man knows the things of a man except that the spirit of man which is in him? The man knows, the person knows, but nobody else does. He says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. You're not going to know the things of God without the spirit of God. Unless you invite him in to be your Lord and Savior and you get off of the throne, you're not going to know what is the best thing for your life. You're going to go through doing your best to make the choices, but I can promise you many of them will be wrong. God has shared his spirit with us. That's the superpower. That's the mind of Jesus. Look at 12 and 13. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Again, let me ask you. If you lined up people, you know, you, took, you were with friends of yours, right? And you stood before them and they said, and you asked them, what kind of a person am I? What would they say? Well, you're a little weird. You're one of those Christian people. Best compliment you'll ever get. Or would they say, oh man, you're cool. You're awesome. You hear that, you know, I, I can drink my buddies under the table. You're always supplying the dope. You're a lot of fun. You're always brining the kegs. You're, you're a lot of fun. You're awesome. What kind of person would we be? Now we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by the Lord. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Romans 8, verses 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is at enmity with God. Opposite sides. They're on opposite sides. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I didn't write it. For in the flesh we cannot please God. Galatians 5, 16 16 and 17, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you know a lot of times when we want to fulfill the lust of the flesh, we won't pray? Because we know if we pray, He's going to change us. He's going to convict us. And we want to go get that banana split. So we are not going to pray about it. Now, you know, I'm talking about more serious things too. If I want to do something, I'm not going to ask God. If I want to do something and I know it's wrong, I'm not going to ask God. I already know what God's going to say. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You ever been there? (sighs) Lord, I want to be the man you want me to be, but I do stupid things. I want to be the person that you designed me to be, but I'm still acting like a kid. I still don't know how to do anything. Dads or moms, please teach your kids how to change a tire. Please teach them a few of the basic things in life. If something did happen and all the power went out, how many in this room, don't raise your hands, how many of us could make a fire? Not many. How many would know what herbs were safe and which ones were poison? Not many. 
how many would have the guts to shoot a rabbit to eat? <laughs> Oscar's back there. Me, I would. I, but I want something bigger than a rabbit, right? But you, you understand what I'm saying, don't you? We've become so spoiled in this world that a lot of the basic things that used to be taught, they're not taught anymore. People don't know how to, how to do it. World's wisdom, bad. God's wisdom, good. Even if that's all we get out of the whole thing. All right, I'm going to close this up. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. If you think the things of God are foolishness, you're, you're not walking with God. In fact, I would ask you to ask yourself if you're truly saved. I mean, that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. If you think the things of God are foolishness, there is something wrong with your, with your walk with Jesus. It says, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that they may instruct him, but we have the mind of of Christ. God gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the mind of Christ. We know when something shouldn't be done. Doesn't mean we always do the right thing, but we know when it shouldn't be done. Guys, I know that many of you can walk into a room and sense something is wrong. That's the power of God's Holy Spirit. The natural man thinks this is all foolishness. Christians should be spiritual appraisers of all things. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, we become leaders because we know what's right and we know what's wrong. We've spent years in God's academy and the greatest gift that we can do is give that back to other people that we meet. It doesn't mean you have to be a pastor or an elder or a deacon. But it means that we can talk to people and share Jesus Christ with them. And maybe save a soul. That's the greatest thing that we can do. It's been said that you're only young once, but you can stay immature indefinitely. That's certainly true, isn't it? We had three boys. My wife said she had to raise four me (laughs) and with many churches going the way of entertainment guys growing up spiritually may just become more and more of a personal responsibility it it always amazes me when somebody please understand what I'm saying please understand my heart I'm not saying that Calvary's are the only church in the world that people should belong to but they do teach the word of God verse by verse so you're going to learn. You're going to grow. I've had people say, but it's the same thing all the time. Yes, it is. If it begins to change, something's wrong. It is the same thing all of the time. I guess I could try to grow my hair and put them in dreadlocks. and I, I do have on fancy shoes. So... But if we, if we change this, guys, we've lost it all. We can't change this. It's always amazed me when someone will leave a Calvary and go to a church that's nothing but entertainment. I, it always, I always, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that. I can understand them going for, from one church that teaches verse by verse to go to another church that teaches verse by verse. But to go to a church where they're not, there's no meat and it's all just entertainment, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand, understand that. Okay. Tim Hansel quoted this in one of his books um, and I want to read it to you. Amy Carmichael, sometimes she, wrote, she said this, sometimes when we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors, we feel almost despondent. I feel that I shall never be like that. But they won through step by step by little bits of wills, 
little bit of denials of self, little inward victories by faithfulness in very little things, they became what they are. No one sees these little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps were taken. There is no sudden triumph, no spiritual maturity that is the work of the moment. Now guys, in six months, some of you may not be here. Some of you are going to go to churches where there's a lot more flashbang going on. But just remember, if the word's not taught, you're not growing. It's got to be, it's got to be the word. Deliverance ministries are very popular. You know why? Because I don't have to do anything. I can just go and have somebody knock me down and I've been delivered. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if I could just bring you guys all up one at a time and touch you and just say, and all your troubles were gone, all the addictions, all of the habits, and they're just gone? Wouldn't that be awesome? I would, if God would do that, that would be incredible. I would love that. But you know what? He works through little steps. Maturity comes one step at a time.